veteran. Hi, and thank you for tuning in to Miss D Happiness, the Spengali Goddess. Today, yes, today, I have a guest. I have a guest, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. Tell the listeners your name. My name is Linda Marcus Smith. Okay, and right here I have a few questions, and this is one. Um, what generation are you from? I'm a baby boomer. Okay, thank you, thank but you. But I identify as a young person. We all do, at heart, right? What made you choose on becoming a comedian? So, a long time ago, let's say March 14, 2014, my daughter didn't want to talk to me anymore, and I refused to die. That's I wasn't going to let that make me just curl. I wanted to curl up and die without my daughter in my life. But I thought, you know what? I've always made people laugh. Let me give this a try. Maybe it'll give me some kind of reason for living. Oh, I'm so happy for that. I'm glad you're still here, Miss. She's wonderful. She's a very funny comedian out here in Vegas. You're welcome. Why are you or your generation the way you are? Me. I can speak about me. My okay. generation's fucked. Um, <laughs> I don't like baby boomers. I don't even like being a baby boomer because baby boomers are so judgmental and so rude and we were so racist. Not me. I hated that shit. But I'm telling you, it was the rudest time. Like, the comedy out of that era was the rudest, the meanest, the most, like, and I don't like being a part of that. I like being a part of the kind generation. I hear But yeah, I don't know what made them that way. Gosh, they had everything handed to them in a silver fucking platter and they had to act like, you know, it's like my whole childhood, I was scarred by people that were, that thought they were better than other people. Right. And nobody's better than nobody. No, so they're I not. hate boomers. Okay, okay. Well, I don't know. Let me that's the year my mom and them was probably around the same time as her. And yeah, you talk about the prejudice side, because I'm not prejudiced at all, but they feel like they try to direct me that way. And I was like, no, I don't want, I like everyone. I love everyone. Exactly. Okay. Except boomers. No, 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 no. I say I hate boomers. I don't hate boomers. I hate the way they act. Mm -hmm. Very They're better than others? Yes. Well, okay. Wow, that's sad. It is sad. Right. Why are you or your generation... Did I just read that one? Well, I'm sorry. How can we, the listeners, understand this generation, your generation? So, in order to understand baby boomers... I think it's important to sit down with them one-on-one. -on -one. Don't get them when they're in a gaggle of baby boomers and it's you against them. Don't look at it like you against them. Go up to them like a human being and just say, hi, I don't understand you or anybody in your era. Tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself. What made you the way you are? What made, ask them, what makes, ba like you're doing, mm -hmm. what makes baby boomers be so mean to other people? Right. Why was that such a generation of outright rudeness and nobody stopped? How could anybody not stop what you were doing? So all of them were all on board with all of them. How oh. could that happen? And see, they probably feel as bad as I do. You know, like my parents went through the Holocaust over in Germany. Mm -hmm. When I went to visit Germany in the military, I call it visiting, I was stuck there. When I, I would go around and literally talk one-on-one -on -one to Germans and say, my parents 
survived the Holocaust. A lot of my family died in these camps. They were really sorry it happened. If you get them one-on-one, -on -one, they don't have a mob mentality or defenses up. And they'll tell you they're not proud. Of, nobody can be proud of their own shit. They can't be. Unless you're just a pathological moron. Right. I think that they, I think I feel bad the things that baby boomers have done, just like Germans feel bad about the Holocaust. Oh wow! Well, thank you for giving us that insight. Um, how are you bringing that generation to the comedy scene? So I've decided that there's too much of us boomers hate young people. Young people hate baby boomers. So I've been. I've got a whole set around what has happened and how we need to, a funny way to make people think about the hate that goes back and forth and it's doing us no good. Let's laugh about our differences. Let's even poke fun at the fact that one of us thinks we're better than the other. Let's go out of here leaving a little bit more kind to each other because it's never going to end unless somebody stops it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's right. I hope I'm taking that right. Okay. Um, what brought you to comedy? So when my daughter didn't want to talk to me, um, you know, I had been making people in Germany when I was in the army. I made a Buckingham Palace guard that was on duty outside the Buckingham Palace laugh. They're supposed to lose their job or their head for that. I don't know. I don't know. If he, but I... I went to the border between East and West Germany and stood there with binoculars and made a guard 10 kilometers away through binoculars laugh. And I thought, well, my daughter doesn't want to talk to me. Maybe I should try, if I can do that to those people, that, you know, in those situations out in public, maybe I can go on stage and make people laugh. Because I always watched the old great comedians. I mean. I'm going way back. I'm going back to the first Red Fox album that okay. nobody knows was the color red. I'm going back to Jack Benny. I'm going back to people that if you played their stuff today, some of it would stand up, a lot of it wouldn't. But back in the day, that's all we had. Right. And I just always died laughing. I had the worst childhood, and that stuff helped me get through it. Okay, okay, thank you. I wanted you. to do that for others. Thank you for giving thank you. Wow, that's an inspiring story. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, say it. My parents should not have been parents. They went through the Holocaust and they came out of it basket cases. Right. Staring into space and not being in any moment with us kids. So I was not the youngest, but I was treated like I was the youngest because I was Jewish and my brother was the youngest. So I would sit around the house and as they treated as the youngest, it was my role in the family to make the family laugh. Mm. So I would see all the pain. I knew instinctively that as a four-year-old that they must have been through so much shit that they couldn't be in this moment. They were in that moment right. in the past. So I would do shit to bring them into this moment. And that's when I learned the power of comedy. It can take, I've gone and I've done comedy in a hospital bed to a dying veteran and made him forget his pain for a few minutes. And then when I left, he died. 
but it, it, there's so much power beyond just making people laugh. It is so much power. It is. It gets it. It actually keeps you youthful. It keeps you insane, you know? Just yes. laughing at the, maybe your biggest mistake. Just laugh about it. Yeah. Like, how this could, could this happen to anyone else but me? Thank you. You know? But Thank you gotta laugh at it. And the deeper we dig into the, our stupidest mistake, the weird irony is that the deeper we get real and dig to something specific that we went through, you would think it wouldn't relate. That's when it becomes relatable to everybody. Uh-huh. It blows my mind. Yeah. It is. That's true. That's true. It's weird. <laughs> How long have you been doing what you do? So um, I've been doing comedy since March 14, 2014. The day my daughter turned me away, I knew it was going to be probably forever because she's done this before to other people. And so I didn't want to live in a called up Ace Comedy Club in Marietta, California. Like that happened about 11 a.m. 2 a.m. I was on the phone with Aces. Four o'clock, they had me in there. I said, how would you like to save my life? And I mean today. I need to get in there and learn how to make people laugh today. And they got me in and I was up on stage, my first mic at six o'clock. Wow. Dang. Straight it, up. That's wow. It. And was it an open mic at that time? Yeah. Oh, it was an open mic. I remember saying like a few of my jokes because they sat around and helped me with jokes. And then I went up and said a few. And I remember like my first joke, I said, my marriage, like the only thing that, the only excitement that we had was when my my husband was looking around under the covers for the remote. <laughs> and somebody in the audience in the front row said, I've heard that before. And that was the best thing I could have heard on my first night because what it did is it made me research everything I said and make sure that it's not trite and it's not hack. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe dig deeper. Okay, I need to learn that trick. Cause sometimes my husband gives me jokes. And I'm like, "Is did you hear that on the radio?" Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm up here on the stage saying a joke that everybody looking at me like, "That's on the radio." I'm like, "Oh, what?" <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. That. I hate that when people give me jokes because, like, like my I have a twin brother. All day long, he's sending me shtick mm -hmm. to say, mm -hmm. you know. And then at the bottom of something, it'll say, "Jack Benny, 1969 <laughs> on the Tonight Show." <laughs> I'm flipping my brother off in case you guys can't see that. Oh my god. No, they can't see this in the all voice. <laughs> she had two she had two strong fingers for The good fingers. Is there anyone you can say that you mimic or took a liking to that shaped you to who you are today? Well you and I have talked about this before and I found it so magically delicious that you told me I remind you of Rita Redner. Mm-hmm. As you do. Thank you so much. She and Wendy Liebman are the gold standard of classy female comedians. And when I say that, I'm not always classy with the stuff that I say. Neither are they. But the aura that they give off and they stand on stage, you know, and their presence and that they command the audience comes to them, not that they go to the audience. And that Rita Redner is with the audience. She's not against the audience. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. there's class. There's years of training that went to get that smooth you know mm. delivery so in style of delivery and, and 
pers not persona. My persona is just a goofy old lady that gets things like Mrs. Magoo. I don't know. I know Mr. Magoo. I'm Mrs. Magoo. <laughs> what doors are you trying to open? Well, my entire childhood was watching comedians. And one of my favorite things to watch was when... Um, trying to think of his name <laughs> Bob Hope would okay. go and entertain the troops and he had tight jokes super well written jokes probably because he had a lot of writers he'd go and I wasn't even in the didn't even know in the future I was going to go in the military that's a talk show I'm watching as a little kid here's an American going across the world on planes and talking to Americans in English of course and saying things, they're like in thousands up on hills, sitting there and just dying laughing. And you know, like, I wanna reach the most amount of people before I kick the bucket. I don't wanna be at some mic where it's all comics watching each other, I don't. Right, right. I don't wanna do comedy for comedy's sake. Right. I wanna do comedy with a purpose. What's my purpose? The military. So I've been trying and trying and trying and trying to all these years, almost, it's gonna be nine years in March, trying to get into military shows. And it's finally breaking loose. Yay, um, this yes, yes, you yeah, hear that right here. Show. You hear that, that was some, that was some, uh, that was some, well, well, that was a bonus. That was some, uh, some exclusive, exclusive shit. shit right there, exactly. I couldn't think of the word, yes. So, uh, in November, I got a text, no, I got a voicemail from a guy with the USO tours. Hey, can you come on November to Poland? I didn't see it because I have a friend who texts me and emails me and Facebook messaged me all day long and it got buried. Mm -hmm. So I didn't see it till December. Mm. So I didn't get to go to Poland. So now I'm getting hurried. I mean, all of a sudden, now I need a passport. I never thought it would come true. So today is my payday. I'm getting an expedited passport. So whenever I get... So he said, that's okay, the next one is in June. So I'll be going somewhere in the world. Yeah, for June. you, yes. That's all I care about. Yes. All this other stuff I've been doing is so that the military takes me seriously. Right, they are. The other thing that happened, best Christmas ever. Okay, exclusive here, exclusive. Oh, no, exclusive. <laughs> knowing how I love doing stuff that entertains the troops. So I got the U.S. Open coming up. But the other thing that happened is American Forces Network, the guy that does the interviewing of huge celebrities, has been watching me interview us people, baby comics, you know, maybe a headliner here and there once in a while, alleged. And he wrote me like six months ago and he says, You should quit interviewing these nobody comics. Because mm -hmm. these nobodies, like, I care about everybody. How can I, how can I turn my back on where I've been? People that we are nothing yet, but someday, you know, right. we don't know. Right. Everybody has. What he meant was, but I didn't find it out until about a month ago. He wanted me on co-interviewing the huge celebrities for the American Forces Network. Mm -hmm. So we he had me this Christmas, the week before Christmas, interview five or six huge people. Okay. To send it to the troops. Yeah. So I got to entertain the troops through interview. Yay, listen to that. A Christmas present. That was a blessing. Thank you. So and then you I wish... had a, 
uh, a, a bummer. I had a comedian. I'm going to make it funny because I can't handle it without... You know how we are. Okay. Okay, so just get ready because at the end I'm going to twist it on Okay. Her. So this comedian is texting me and he's like, I got a problem. And I go, okay. And he goes... I just took X number of milligrams of this, X milligrams of that, and I'm killing myself. Before I die, I'm going to go kill this neighbor of mine or somebody. And so I'm going to kill him, kill myself, and you can't do nothing about it. Don't report me. So I reported him. Okay. So now he's really bad at me. Could have wrecked my Christmas. Could have brought me down with being really sad about my daughter and being alone. Right. You know. Nobody's giving me any presents, all that. I could have gone down a spiral. But I didn't because of comedy. Here's the right, joke. Right, right. How come is it? What am I doing wrong that I am attracting the people who are in the suicidal phase where they just want to kill themselves? How come can't I, D, Miss, Miss D or Miss D happiness, how come can't I attract the people that are suicidal but in the phase of suicidal ideations where they just want to give me all their possessions. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get to it. Oh my God, Isn't no. Okay, yeah, that's sick. But yeah, <laughs> you gotta wait for that last nod. Like, can I have this shit? <laughs> can you write it? Yes. <laughs> just call me if you're getting ready to give your stuff away. Yeah. Nothing else. Right? That part. Think about I'll, me when you're dying. I'll open it to your store. I'll be there. Be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you can have that. Okay, okay, thank you. You're going like a few more minutes. All right, thank you. What about the finger filters? Yeah. It's, oh my God. See, we're sick. See, we're no, we're only making fun. These only jokes, people. Only Just jokes. jokes. Yes. We have to to survive to live. You have to smile at your pain. Yes. You have to. It was very painful, or I wouldn't be. Right. I got. I have some painful stuff too. I, I like me. I always tell everybody, "How was your holiday?" How was your holiday? Oh, you really asked yes. me? Shitty. Are you okay, kidding me? Okay, I'm about to say too, because I was going to say, my, how was yours? Ask me. How was yours? Um, I'd rather have a philosophy bag appointment. Yeah, it was pretty shitty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yes, it was. But where do you want to be at on this journey that you're on? You pretty much answered that question. You already on there. You said that you wanted to perform for the troops. I'm just stepping into it in the last month or so, but where else do I want to go? Really? You know, like, it can be fabulous to hit a goal. It can also be depressing once you hit it, because then you have to look in the mirror and go, what next? So I did, I've been waiting to do this my entire freaking life. Now what? And I know once I go out and entertain the troops, you're you're gonna have that after that like that letdown. Like now what? Mm -hmm. You know? And there's a lot of people that have done 17 tours to the troops. And it's not like it gets you anywhere. It, what it does is it feeds your soul. Right. That you're taking them out of the pain that they're in and making them just freaking laugh for right. a moment. There's really nothing to get from it other than you get something by giving. And I'm all about getting something from giving, you know, like I don't wanna I don't wanna go and ask people for things. I wanna go and give and if I get something back, great. I want I wanna receive that. I only wanna receive things back from what I've given. Okay, okay. So I don't know what's next. Are you happy where you're at right now? I am. Great. Not personally. But comedically, 
you know, I'm never happy with my jokes. They're never good enough. I feel the same way. I beat myself up all the time. I'm right now retweaking jokes right now for tonight and well, this Friday I gotta do. I'm tweaking them right now. I never leave them. Yeah. No, it's like yeah. I'm very abusive to my jokes. They're never good enough. Yeah. I'm good enough, but my jokes suck. Oh my God, no. <laughs> it's like a mean, like a mean um, rash. You're like, it's not going away. No, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's I don't like understand why this rash isn't going away while I'm <laughs> scratching it to death. Exactly. <laughs> oh, if you are, if, okay, if you are happy, okay, what's this? No. Okay, you said that. If you are happy, tell the, tell us the secret of happiness. The secret to happiness is no motives, no ulterior motives, no expectations, no drama. Don't let drama. The secret, okay, one word. If I had to say one thing that makes me happy is, I guess I couldn't have to be a short phrase. Give, expecting nothing. I mean, think about think about it before you do it. Give. I've got friends that are out making things happen so that things will happen for them. Mm -hmm. It's not all the right now. I have a, a ton of headliners that want me on their shows. That didn't happen because I set out and said I want headliners to put me on their shows. It happened because. With pure motive, like people can smell you out. If you do something with pure motive, something great will come back to you. Like we know people who um, will say that they want to be on a show because that they're better than somebody else. Right. Why are they getting booked? That pushes people away. Why? You can't fake it like you're doing something with pure motives because people will sense it. You got to really sit there and stink with yourself and say. I really just want to do some one thing for other comedy clubs, bookers, agents, comedians. Mm -hmm. What is that one thing I could do for others? Not so you can get famous for it, not so you can get booked from it. What can I do? What can I have done? I kind of have this Kennedy, John F. Kennedy thing. So my thing was, has always been, Ask not what a comedy club can do for me, ask what I can do for them. That's a paraphrase of Kennedy. Mm -hmm. Ask not what you can do for the country. So I have gone wherever I've been, I've planted myself in a comedy club, looked for what they need, asked for what I could do, sensed things, offered things, and that's okay. come back. That is a great tip. See, she gave you some, she gave you a tip there. Uh, up-and-coming comedians you have to ask and then they will see you and maybe help you get on one of the shows or two you know they say hey we have miss linda marcus smith we, she's a, a fabulous comedian won't you use her use her as your feature or headliner i love it you got to have a reputation that you're not like all the other schmoes that come in there because if you look at it from the comedy club's point of view all they get are people that come and say gimme 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 mm -hmm. When that one person comes in and says, what can I do for you? Flips of them on their ends. Wow. See, there's a tip. Tip of the day. Ask the, 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 the venue, what can you do to help them? And then they will help you. They will, they will be able, they'll be willing to help you, I will say. Do you believe 
it, uh, do you believe it's something inside of you that you must have to be successful in with in comedy? Do you believe it's something that you have to have inside of you already no. to be successful? No, I don't. Because okay. I'm very lazy. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was called Lazy Susan growing up. And I'm a perfectionist. The combination that does not go together is somebody who's lazy and never finishes anything that can't be perfect. Because nothing's perfect. I'm, I'm probably lazy because I'm a perfectionist. It's my way of protecting myself. No, I don't think that... What was the question? That's okay. <laughs> Do you believe it's something inside of you that you must have to be successful in comedy? If there's anything inside of me that's pushing me to be successful, it's my past failures. Or my inability to ever follow through. Or all the years I was a rip-roaring bitch. Okay. Like, I got brain trauma, and brain trauma changes your brain. And I, have, I went through an angry phase with, where everybody in the city of Menifee, California, didn't want me in their stores. Because I was one angry mofo that my life was turned upside down. Took it out on shopkeepers. So, I fixed that, but yeah. Okay. I feel bad about the, you know, I used to lie, cheat, and steal because I was taught that growing up. Right. So things in my past motivate me to do and be better. Okay, all right. And that's going to help you get successful, to be in a better you. Yeah, but I'm not being a better person to be successful and being a better person to be a better person. So, you know what I mean? Like, it might help me be successful. It sure as hell can't hurt. Mm -hmm. But my reason to be a better person is I'm ashamed of who I used to be, and I want to be a better person today than I was yesterday. Well, you can. You okay? Yes. And you, boom. I'm I'm knowing you for who you are today, and you're you've only been delightful to me. And I'm not here to judge anyone on their past. I'm here to judge who you are today. So from today on, I've seen nothing but a positive person, and you've been only sweet to me. That's right. All That's right. the way we're going to keep it. Okay. I love you to pieces. <laughs> what? Thank you so much. What do you believe? What could help be more successful in the field than others? If I had a personal assistant. I need, mm. I need somebody to right? teach me how to drive oh, wow. and let me use their car to pass that stinking license. I'm a slow learner with brain trauma and I need to pass that. I need a personal assistant because when I look at the computer, holy crap, I get dizzy. Right. You know, this is no joke. I believe you. And there's things we got to do on a computer. Yes. I am hear you about that personal assistance. I can't wait till I get a manager that wants to spend some money. I'm like, an assistant? Please, I need that person. Yeah. Yes. What do you believe that helped you get to where you're at now? What do you think that that helped you? Like a book, a, a movie, a, a, a ex, um, a, um, what is it? Uh, a saying, something. Well, number one, I got to thank my daughter for walking out of my life. Because without that, I'd have never stepped into comedy. So even though that was painful, never wanted it to happen. I was willing to do anything for 17 years for that to never happen. I got to thank her for doing it. Number two, two and three, two more. Gladys Simon in New York City believed in me. She's helped Jim Gaffigan, Jeffrey Ross. She believed in me. Before I was funny, I was going up on Comic Strip Live sucking grapes. Sour, real sour grapes. Just bombing the hell out of that stage. Mm -hmm. 
In fact, I think Seinfeld had to rebuild the stage after I went there. Come think of it. That's so. So Gladys Simon believed in me. And she told me, just trust that you're funny. Cut out the extra words and trust you're funny. Because she could see I'd go up there, didn't even believe in myself. And I didn't know that. Well, another person that helped me, the reason why I'm where I'm at today is Helene Witt. She's been my best friend. And um, she's been my best, you know, best friend. And I was a basket case when I came to college because my daughter had just left me and I was so suicidal and trying to make people laugh with this darkness in me. And she spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours letting me say all the poison that's in me. And when I get done saying it all, every single thing in my life that's hurt me, she just let me unravel. I sat there for days and days and days, months. I think we were on the phone all day, every day for a year. Mm -hmm. And once you, somebody lets you get that stuff out, now you can move forward. I had a lot of stuff to get out. Okay. I feel, I feel, I feel like some family members have a lot of stuff to get out and they need to get it out before they, they go, they pass away. But um, yeah, that's a good, I think if you do get it all, I like some of my jokes, like my jokes I have, um, I have one about a jerry curl, a jerry curl joke about my family member giving me a jerry curl and my, at the time in the 80s or whatever, my family was on drugs. So they gave it to me when they were high. Um, I had hair down to my shoulders, all of it fell out. They told me to, the next day was school. I was in 10th grade. They gave me a Kango hat, a white Kango hat, and told me to have a very nice day at school. Looking like, uh, what's his name? What, what was that bald-headed man named? Um, Mr. Clean. Oh. Yeah, I, I had no hair. Not one not one baby string, nothing. No alfalfa. Just going to have a nice day. And they brought that story back to me and told me it was my fault. I was like, wow. So, you know, once they understand they're evil and get it out, stop blaming, blaming, blaming they'll probably have a better place in life, hopefully. But yeah, it happens. Do you believe that you could do this without any support? What I mean, family, friends, spouse, pets, hobbies, psychiatrists, etc. Do you think you could be where you're at without any support? No. Thank you. Yeah. I think support is really big. I think it, you need that. At first, I was like, no, you don't need no support. You really do need that. I'm, I ain't talking about me being married. I'm talking about when I was by myself. I, I love having another person talking to me. You know, I love yes. having, a, I mean, I have my daughter, you know, and I'm sorry you don't have your daughter, but you know, me and her have our battles, but um, you know, I have that other person I can, you know, talk to. And then I, I understand, you know, a pet. So do you have a have one? I wish, I don't, but <laughs> yeah. now I'm looking at doing road trips every month. So having a pet, I just feel like, I'm not sure that that would be right for a pet. Right, but if you had a goldfish, I'll take care of it. Would you? <laughs> I would help you take care of your goat as long as it's a little thing. I just told it to my house. Do you have any goldfish I've killed in my life? <laughs> well, let's don't do no goldfish. A plant. I'll help you with a plant. Okay. <laughs> what are some things you do to relieve intense or stressful days? I think my I live in a cinder block apartment, and I don't know how the soundproofing is, but. If I'm having a rough day, I, I just scream. 
Mm. Just one screen. Right. I just belt it out. Jesus Christ. Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. I do. I say something that maybe some people don't approve of. You know, fucking A, you know? And it, it feels, you know it's wrong, but it feels so good to let that out. That's one thing. And then once I let it out, I kind of laugh at myself that I'm making an idiot out of myself. Or, no. You know? And then, and then I'll turn on, like, I was having a rough day because the suicidal comedian that hit me up the other day on Christmas Day. So I turned on YouTube and I said, I'm going to go back in time and find the oldest movie I remember that put me in a good place. So I turned on My Fair Lady. Mm. With Audrey Hepburn. Anything Audrey. I've watched every Audrey movie of hers but one I can't find. It's mm. magic. Okay. She takes me out of it. That's whatever helps you. Whatever helps you is to, to get in a great positive mind and be creative. Thank you. Thank you, YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite color? Mm. I'm going to go with not a pastel, but a pale. Pastel seems kind of like cookie cutter. Kind of a a pale like pink, like a light. Kind of like a, a sea, a light sea. See how uh, uh -huh. mm -hmm. Or this lightness of purple, okay. but not pastel or neon. Just not too dark. just like almost like colors of the ocean. Okay. You know, pale. Okay. Okay. Um, do you like animals? Mm, I love them, and they love me. Okay, okay. Which is your, what animal is your favorite? Anyone that's attached to a cute man that has a couple <laughs> minutes for me to pet his dog and be thinking about him. <laughs> or his cat, huh? Or his monkey, whatever, right? Okay, all right. But like, y'all talking about the... But he's talking about this monkey. You're talking about that monkey. I like the monkey. Can I be your organ grinder? <laughs> oh, look at her getting frisky. Are you, are you in a relationship? If not, what's wrong with you? And I, what are you looking for? I'm not in a relationship. I'm picky as all get out. Okay. But I don't want to die alone. I'm sick and tired. My, there's a song back in the Music Man show mm -hmm. in the 60s called My White Knight. My White Knight has never shown up. There's never been anybody that's shown up that has been so mad about me that wanted to be with me. I've had people that wanted to fuck me. I've had people that wanted to spend time with me, have me be their arm candy for a night or whatever. Never, been, never anybody that's flipped over me. Just like, like my sister. I'm not jealous. Let's talk about my sister for a second. She has a husband that will put up with her moods and still be there to support her afterwards. Okay, do you suck dinglings? Because <laughs> that's what she's doing to keep him there. <laughs> Can't you find that anywhere? Like any main street downtown, no. any city. The sucking has to go with the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a guy that really. I want that guy that sees me and goes, that's the one. Are you sucking? <laughs> <laughs> They'll all be the one. <laughs> no, that's the key. That's the key to keep them. I'm sorry. I some guess. of them these days, they like the finger in the booty. So maybe you have to do the finger booty man. Okay? I don't know. Uh, it's going to be yeah. uh, one or the other. My finger ain't going to well, They, they want a nurse. They can go get a nurse for that. <laughs> 
I'll be the doctor, all right? Just grab, stick your finger in the booty hole. Oh, no, God. I don't want that. Okay, well, that's how you're going to get these men out here. I don't want nobody like that. <laughs> they can take it. Tell the listener, because we're going to wrap up now. Okay. But thank you. It's been such a pleasure for you taking the time out of your day and coming to do this with me. Thank you for oh. having me. I'm oh, surprised you. I'm surprised to take the lifesaver out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm surprised you called me and wanted me to do this. Like, I'm not, you know, like, I'm just elated to get to do it. No, that's my point. I'm trying to get everybody, every, anyone. I'm getting beauticians, and I'm like, I know she's up. I'm up too. I'm a tweaker. So I, I didn't want to do it at five in the morning. I was like, I know Linda will be up. Uh, if she's in town, she'll do it with me. But no, I'm honored. You're going to be, you, you're my now official first guest. That is not my family. I mean, Monica was, but the, like I said, the taping didn't work. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But she's coming next time. So she's yeah, one of them. Take that. No, no, but it, it was a pleasure interviewing you. And but be, before I let you go, tell the listeners um, your next show, how to book you. Um, oh, tell them all the good stuff for you. My phone number, and I don't want anybody calling with ulterior motives. If you want to book me, you can call or text 503-660-9509. And my next show... Well, I'll be at Wise Guys doing a three-minute mic tonight, but my next real show is January 22nd in Gilbert, Arizona. All military veterans who do comedy are doing a show. You don't have to be military to go, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's at JP's Comedy, whatever the heck it is, in Gilbert, Arizona, right by Phoenix. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Miss Linda. She has three names, Miss Linda Marcus Smith. All right, she's special. Yes. And thank you guys for tuning in to Miss D <laughs> Happiness, the Spengali Goddess. Thank you so much and have a blessed day. Bye.